0: Good morning everyone, my name's Dave, one of the ministers here and good morning to those joining us on the live stream as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for speaking to us and we pray that as we hear it uh, we would not just be hearers uh, but doers of your word and we pray that you would help us to honour the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as you do this work in us and we pray it in his name. Amen. Now, there's a common life experience I want to share to begin with, uh, and that is that some things some things that used to excite us then become boring. Has this ever happened to you? Uh, things that were exciting become boring. Uh, my Andy, my eldest daughter, just got her license. Are you shocked by that? I'm oh, a little bit. Um, driving lessons, all that. She is so excited by driving. Remember that? Yeah. I'm not that excited anymore. Um, and what about, it's nearly Christmas, what about, do you guys remember the, the present you got for last Christmas, maybe the younger people, where is it now? I know, the toy that you, I, we, we must have, and that I need from last Christmas, is now in the garage, it's got dust all over it, not as exciting anymore. Um, or what about that New Year's resolution that you began at this year, Do you remember that, remember the New Year's resolution? Mm, let's not talk about it, yeah, <laughs> hopefully they're still going. Uh, but this kind of thing can happen to Christians as well. Uh, maybe you know this. Um, when someone becomes a Christian, uh, a lot of the time it is very exciting, uh, particularly if they haven't been a Christian before. Um, you know, well, if they haven't grown up sort of believing, it's a, it's a big thing for their life. It's very exciting and new. Uh, they, they know forgiveness through Jesus Christ. They know the love of God as a Father. They know the joy of the Holy Spirit. They have this hope of eternal life. It's, it's also great and exciting Uh, But then what can happen over time is, you know, maybe years or decades later, uh, they can become a little bit bored. Uh, Love can grow cold. Serving can start to feel a bit like a burden. uh, And they just drift into these religious routines in their life. And we see something like that happening in the book of Malachi, uh, to God's people in his day. It seems like God's people are just going through the motions of worship. They're just ticking the boxes, which looks really good from the outside. Looks like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But God knows their hearts. And God can see what is really going on. Remember last week we began the book of Malachi. We saw how God loves his people. That is the, the headline over the whole book. God chose them. He entered into this loving a relational contract with them a binding contract called a covenant so he is their God they are his people uh, he did not destroy Israel for their sin like he did the edomites uh, but he brought them back to their to their land and their, and their're rebuilding uh, but that, that headline last week of God's love had an implicit warning in it we didn't really talk about but 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 here's the warning it's God saying i loved you but you don't love me I loved you, but you don't love me. The fitting response to a God who loves them is to love him back. That that is what is fitting. And that's where Malachi kind of, in in this section, begins uh, as God is saying in verse 6. It's fitting for children to honour parents. That's a fitting response for children to parents. It's fitting for slaves to honour their masters. That's fitting. And so it's also fitting for God's people to honour the God Who loves them, uh, but they were not doing that. And so in Malachi, we know God is confronting his people with their sin. It's a confronting book. And as we read it, we know it's also a book that is confronting for us today. But as we'll see, when when God confronts his people and calls them back to himself, he's doing it out of love. He's doing it to give them life. He's doing it for their good. Right, so they might return to God, return to the God who loves you and, and find the fullness of life in obedience to him. And that's what he can do for us as well. Now, you'll know uh, Malachi, we're dividing it into six arguments, uh, the book divided into six arguments, and each one uh, looks very similar, has this kind of structure. It's where God makes a statement, Israel responds with a doubting question, and then God doubles down in his response and, and responds in detail. And so this week, the statement that God makes in verse 6, where he says, it is you priests who show contempt for my name. Now, a priest, uh, that is a, someone who's descended from the tribe of Levi. Uh, they would, the people who were meant to teach the law to God's people, they were the ones that did the sacrifices in the temple. Um, and, and they were meant to be guys that were really zealous for the honour of God, really enthusiastic to glorify God and serve Him and praise Him. Um, And they went to lead God's people in this as well. So be the leaders of that amongst God's people. But what's happening is they're doing the opposite. They're showing contempt for God's name. they're, They're treating God as worthless and unimportant and they're leading the people in that way as well. And so that is what God confronts them with. But in their arrogance, they want to question God. And so in verse 6 it goes on, they say, how have we shown contempt for your name? Right? We're, we're doing what you said, we're doing the sacrifices, we're doing all that, right, what's, what's the problem? And so God then responds to them in more detail uh, and he talks about their worthless sacrifices in that first little section and then he gives them a warning sign in response to it. And so we'll just look at those two things before we reflect on it uh, for ourselves so firstly, we see these worthless sacrifices. Now, when, yeah. when God rescued his people from Egypt and brought them out into their own land, he gave them instructions on how to worship him. It was the law, right? It included the temple and the sacrifices and the priests. And, and God was very clear about how to do all that. And particularly, he was clear on what kind of sacrifices they should bring. They should bring unblemished sacrifices, spotless, perfect Sacrifice, not not your second best but here we see what are they offering to God did you see the type of sacrifice they're bringing these animals that are blind and lame and diseased and injured right they're they're worthless animals to the people like I will just give them to God we'll sacrifice them to God and God knows they would not offer these to their governors in verse 8 would they They wouldn't give this to the prince of Persia to honour him because he would see the insult that it is, this kind of sacrifice. And he would punish them on the spot. But no, they'll give it to God. He won't mind. He'll forgive us. He he loves us. He he won't destroy us because he needs needs us. He needs us to worship him. What does God say about that? Did you see what he said in verse 10? He would rather they shut the temple doors. Right, just put an end to it. He'd rather they, they did not sacrifice, right, right? Because of, such is the insult of these worthless sacrifices, what they say about what they think about God. Right, and the reason that God would prefer they do that is because God is so great, but they are not treating him that way. Did, did you notice how many times it got mentioned how great God is in this passage? You might not have noticed as we go through, but the Lord Almighty is mentioned 11 times in this little passage, I was talking about God who is the, the ruler of the heavens and the heavens' armies. He is a God so powerful, powerful beyond belief as the Lord Almighty. And the greatness of God, three times this is mentioned. It's not just great in size, like he's not just big, but, but he's great in status. Right? He, is, he is full of glory. Right, and the name of God mentioned six times. The, God's name is his reputation and it is his, his honour. Right, that is the name of God. And, and so in verse 14, these three get brought together and we see why this is so important. So verse 14, For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Right, so great kings, even just great kings on earth, they're meant to be revered and respected and we stand in awe of them. Now, now multiply that by a million for the king of the universe, the one who made all things, who, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, Psalm 50. Right, he is worthy of all glory and all honour and all praise and, and he's the king of Israel, he's their king. Right, but they do not honour him as they should and serve him as they ought. Right? At this point in history, God's reputation and his honour, like his name, is tied to his people. They are his people. It's kind of like, you know when, you know when brand names will kind of hire a celebrity to sort of promote their product? Um, well, It's kind of like Israel is meant to be promoting the product of God to the world. Okay? They're meant to be spreading his fame and glory, but they're just not doing that. The way they're behavior, behaving is actually damaging the reputation of God. It's making him look worthless and unimportant to the world. And the very people who are meant to be actually leading the way in this, the priests, they're doing the most damage. So these worthless sacrifices that they're bringing to God show there's just no fear of God before their eyes. No fear of God. And so God then has a warning for the priests, which is the next bit, the warning sign in chapter 2. So have a look at the beginning of chapter 2 here. And now, you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen and if you do not resolve to honour my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honour me. Right, so God knows their hearts and he's saying, look, priests, the gig is up. There's There's no fooling me or anyone. it's time to repent of this sin and resolve to honour the name of the Lord. And and the warning is that if they do not do that there'll be a curse uh, sent upon them. And did you see how graphic the curse is? Uh, In verse 3, it seems like for some of them it's it's, it's a bit too late and and this is going to happen. So in verse 3 it talks about how uh, dung will be smeared on their faces and they'll be carried off with it. Now just to to help you understand that picture, what would happen when the priests would sacrifice an animal, they were like the, the butchers as well, they would cut the animal up uh, and they would get rid of the bits they didn't need, like the head and the legs and the intestines, that kind of stuff, and the dung as well. And they would carry all that off outside the camp and it would be burnt up. And so the, the warning here, the curse, is that the priests are, are pictured as being carried off with those things and burnt up if they do not repent and honour the Lord. And really, you know, this, this warning is really God saying to the priests, stop what you're doing and actually be the people that you have been called to be. Be the priests that I've called you to be. Right? Did you see how, how wonderful the priests were meant to be in verse 5? Have, have a listen to this. This is how good the priests uh, were, were meant to be. So God says there, my covenant was with him, talking about Levi and the first priests, a covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him. This called for reverence and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the Lord almighty. And people seek instruction from his mouth. Right, so what, what a high honour to be a priest, to, to have the, the law, know the law of God and to teach it and to honour God uh, through it for the people. But, you know, the, the law can sometimes feel like a bit of a burden, can't it? It can feel like a list of do's and don'ts. But really the law here is, it's about life and peace. It's about life to the full. It's about God showing us how we should live and, and honour him. Right, and the, the priests were to lead people in that and to lead people to God, right, to have that wonderful reverence and awe before him and, and lead others in that. But the priests had abandoned their calling and they're leading people away from God. And so, and so this warning comes to them and, and it's a warning of love. Right? It's a warning of love to turn from a way that leads to death and walk in the way that leads to life. Right, that is God's purpose in giving warnings like this. And we see that at the end of verse 4, which comes in the middle of this section. God says, I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. So, what God wants and why He's doing this is so the covenant might continue. Okay, because He gave the covenant with a purpose, right, until it is completed. It had a future purpose to be completed. You see, the priests and the sacrifices, they weren't it. Uh, they were shadows of a greater reality that was coming. Right? And, and at this time, they didn't know just how close that reality was. It was only a few hundred years before the Lord Jesus would come and fulfil this covenant that God made with Levi. And so we see in Jesus that he was the perfect priest and the perfect sacrifice. So Jesus comes along. Jesus is not from the tribe of Levi, so he didn't sort of, wasn't born as a priest, but he was appointed a priest by God, his Father, because of his, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and then his resurrection glory. You see, in, in his life, Jesus was really everything that a priest should be, right? He, he had zeal for the honour of God. His whole life was lived in that direction. He always obeyed God. He he never sinned and he led people in the way of life. He came that might have life and life to the full. So he was perfect in his life. And then he offered the perfect sacrifice. Not an unblemished animal, but he offered himself. He was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was the spotless, perfect, unblemished sacrifice Himself that he gave to God upon the cross uh, for our sin. And it's through this that Jesus did what priests and sacrifices could never do. Right? He, he brought fulfilment to these great promises. And so Hebrews tells us better than I could. So let's have a listen to this. He writes there, Unlike the other high priests, Jesus does not need to offer sacrifices day after day for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. Jesus is perfect forever because of his resurrection from death. Uh, He is seated at the right hand of God. He is priest a high priest over the house of God for us. And that's why we don't have priests anymore. I know people used to think, you know, I was a priest when I was in the ministry. You know, people that didn't really know much about church would be like, oh, you're a priest now. And I'd be like, no, I'm not, not a priest. <laughs> I call myself a minister, okay? that Jesus is our high priest. He's the only one, right? And so we don't need sacrifices either, or animal ones, because Jesus has fulfilled all of that. Right, and it's through this Jesus has, has done what God intended all along. He has made his name great among the nations. Right, it's not just within the borders of Israel now that God is praised, but it's, it's throughout the whole world. As the gospel spread to, to nations, people believed and they came to love and worship and honour and fear the Lord. Uh, and that continues today as people come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. So this, this is actually how God has loved us. Remember that? The headline from last week, God has loved his people. Uh, we didn't love God, he loved us. We didn't choose him, he chose us. We didn't go to him, but he came to us to save us from our sin. And so this week, now what we're seeing is, we're seeing the right response to God's love, uh, is to love him. Right, which means to to fear him and to revere him and to stand in awe of his name and to to want to please him with your whole life. Right, that is that is a fitting response. Right, it's 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 the logical response. Um, Paul talks about this in Romans twelve after he's after he's shared the gospel and the love of God through Jesus Christ. He says, "Well, this is what we should do." He says, "Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters." in view of God's mercy or the way he's loved us through Christ, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Another way of saying true and proper worship is to say this is the fitting worship. It's it's the fitting response to the way God has loved us. To live as a sacrifice to God, to have your whole life devoted to him uh, in everything you do. You no longer live for yourself, but you live for the one God we died for you. Oh, that's the fitting response. And it's really wonderful to live that way because it's a way of life, but how, how, how easily and sometimes how quickly do we get bored with that? Uh, how easy is it for us to drift into religious routines where we're ticking the boxes, where we're checking in but really we've checked out? All right, and that can look all good from the outside, people wouldn't know the difference, you can really fool us, but we cannot fool God right, because he knows our hearts. And so the warning that God gives to the priests is actually a warning for all people and all believers. Remember, this is a confronting book. right? It confronts us, doesn't it? Right, but God, again, does it out of love and for our good. Right? He loves us too much to let us keep going in that way. Right he calls us back to himself right, that way leads to death, but his way leads to life, so he says, "Return to me, right confess your sin, return to me, and find life and it 's wonderful that we can do that and so the first response we should have if we are in this situation or when we find ourselves in this situation is to confess to god don 't hide it don 't pretend anymore, confess it to God, and you might you could just pray a prayer like this, I think this is uh, the best way to teach this, you could pray a prayer like this, where you can say, God, you're a great king, worthy of all praise. Thank you for saving me by your grace, your great love. I know my heart doesn't love you like it should. Forgive me and give me a heart that loves you above all else and seeks to honour you in all things. Amen. Right, and then once you've confessed that sin, uh, you can you can turn, you can resolve to honour God. Resolve to honour the Lord. And when we think about honouring God with our whole lives, it sounds massive, but I think it's good to remember it's not about perfection, but about direction. It's not about being perfect, but it's about heading in the right way. Okay, because we're never going to be perfectly devoted to God. We're going to struggle uh, with with kind of apathy and boredom and that kind of burden at times. There's going to be times you, you lose love you lose a bit of joy and, and, and in serving, and it feels like a burden. But we can always be people who are who are seeking to be heading in the right direction. Uh, Paul, I think, is a great example of this, and I think he teaches people this way as well. Uh, Paul's a great example because he was the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. But he also looked at himself and thought, "I'm also the worst sinner the world has ever seen." And so how did he, what did he do in response to that? Well, he, he knew he wasn't perfect, but he knew where he was going. And so he talks about it this way when he's talking to the Philippians. Uh, he says, not that I have already obtained all this, and he's talking about, you know, that perfection and, and completeness and fullness, or have already arrived at my goal, uh, but I press on to take hold of that to which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So you see, despite all Paul's weaknesses and failures, imperfections, he knew where he was going. He knew the goal, he knew the prize to be with God and all his people Uh, in the perfect peace of the new creation forever. No more sin, no more suffering, no more pain. Uh, He knew where he was heading. And so he resolved to press on in that direction, right? Jesus took hold of him. He was loved by him. And if Jesus has taken hold of you, if he's taken hold of your life and you are loved by him, that is where we are heading to. So let us press on toward that goal. Now, if, if, you have the, if you have the goal of running, say, a 5K, say you want to run, run a distance, uh, but you've been recently sitting on the couch for a long time, right, to get up and just to run is, is not a good idea because that will really hurt you, okay? Um, so it, it's the same with our, our Christian growth as well. Right? It's not something we just get up and just go from naught to 100 straight away. It is something that we're always growing in, something that we're always taking steps in. There's always a gradual progress... Uh, as, as we know where we're going and we head toward that goal, little by little. And so if, if we are people who, are loved by God, want to honour God with our whole lives, uh, what are some things we can be doing and thinking about uh, right now to take steps in that direction? Well, I've just got, I've got three things uh, for three different groups of people. Okay, So the first one is, if you are not a Christian, what do you do? Well, the first step you must take is to uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you. Uh, Come to him and trust in him uh, and you will find forgiveness. You will find the fullness of life. You will find a life as it's meant to be. And and you might be that person who is then excited to know God. That's a great thing. Uh, Can I just say to you, if you're a new Christian, you're so encouraging to older Christians uh, when they see that, that joy in you. So uh, don't let them put water on those flames, okay? Keep encouraging others. Uh, and if you're, if you're a new Christian, um, you're excited, right? You can see there's all these kind of next steps to take. There's so many things I can do and, and, and life is so new. Uh, but the one thing that you should really do if you're a new Christian uh, is that you should uh, remember the love of God. Right? Really grow deep roots in the God who loved you. Know really well His grace. Know really well Christ who died for you. Know really well that it's not what you do that saves you, but what He has done for you. And really grow deep roots in that if you're a new Christian. Remember the love of God. And if you've been a Christian for some time, which is probably a lot of us, and maybe you are feeling just a bit of that that boredom, a bit of that drift, a bit of that routine happening, uh, the, the love gone cold kind of idea, For us, uh, it is good for us to remember the love that we had at first, to remember the God who saved you. If that were a day in your life, remember that great day. Remember what it was like to know God. Uh, If that was growing up, it was a significant moment, remember those moments. Remember why Jesus is so valuable to you. Remember the love you had at first. Because we have come to know a great and awesome God, if you're a Christian. Uh, He has loved us in Christ uh, and he calls us to live our lives in love to him. And so let us press on in in our weakness, in our imperfections. It's okay to confess those to God and to say, I'm I'm not loving you like I should, Lord, but I want to. Okay, and then resolve to honour him. We know where we're heading. Let's keep taking steps in that direction because that is the way of life. That is the way of peace. That is the way that Jesus has opened up for us and taken hold of us for. So Let us live for him because his name we praised forever and ever and ever. That's where we're heading. Let's keep heading in that direction. Praise God. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you now, and uh, yeah, our hearts are there's two things on my heart. There is a great joy uh, to know you and to know your salvation and to know your love, but there is also uh, a knowledge that we fall short of how we ought to respond to you. And so, Father, we do uh, confess our sin to you uh, and our lack of love, and we pray, Father, that you would forgive us for that, but help us to live lives. Uh, that are growing in love for you and obedience and in joy. Uh, Help us to be those people that bring honour to your name. And Father, we thank you that you are with us for this. Uh, We thank you for the gift of your spirit and the power at work in us. And we know, Lord, you love to do this work. And so please do it in us and help us never to forget uh, where we are heading, Uh, the goal, the prize, the upward call of the Lord Jesus Christ heavenward.